welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Sons of the light, solving the light equation. Equations are for solving, no? Oh, if you want an alternative title, you can try and use light consciousness. If you're simple, light consciousness. If you want to be intellectually stimulated, solving the light equation. If you just want to be spiritual without all of that rigmarole, sons of the light. Choose your light. Are you ready? Now, in mathematics, an equation generally is a is a or sort when you say you're solving an equation, it means that you are um, looking at two separate statements with different variables, but that equal to the same thing. And usually, that same thing, a standard simple uh, mathematical equation, will have like a constant, will have a coefficient, will have a variable. And usually, what you're trying to find is the variable that links you to the constant and the coefficient, such that whatever appears on one side of the problem or the equation equates in equal amount to what is on the other side of the equation, even though two of them look different at face value. Make sense? So we say 3x plus 5 equals 14. It means that 14 is the sum of 3x plus 5. So basically, when you say find x, right? So, so, so essentially, solving the equation is working out the variable such that the statement on the left is equal in amount to the statement on the right. Make sense? So let me give you a random-ish sounding equation. We are sons of the light equals God is light equals Jesus is the light of the world. In whatever order. But all these three things mean the same thing. We have to find what the variables are and try and quit them all to be the same thing. We are sons of the light. God is light. Jesus is the light of the world. All equal to the same value. That's interesting. First Thessalonians 5 and 5. This teaching enables me to get to something I've been wanting to get to for a long time. We want him to teach First John. So finally, this teaching enables me to teach First John as a letter. Because you will never understand First John if you're picking verses. It would be the most confusing book in the New Testament. Until you start to study 1 John and understand that every time John talked about sin in the entire book of 1 John, he was referring to one thing. All of 1 John, all the four or five chapters, every time he's talking about sin, it's contextual. He doesn't have what the world interprets to be seen on his mind. Fornication, adultery, lasciviousness, drunkenness, you know, uh, all of that stuff. There's nothing 
about those. That's why he doesn't talk about confessing sins to God. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5. Let's, let me start. Is it okay to try and start? Let me try and start gently. So I can take it systematically. First Thessalonians 5. I need from verse 5. But I will for sake of context read from verse 1. Scripture we have come across in diverse ways, um, in different teachings. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief. In the night, it is not a thief. It comes as a thief. For when they say, they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape but you. So all of this is for them. They. But you, Adele Force, are not in darkness. Say, I am not in darkness. Because I am brethren with the Lord. And, and with you and you. And you and you and you and you and you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you and the Lord alone cannot be brethren. It's a threefold cord that is not broken. Scripture says. Uh huh. <laughs> it's a threefold cord. So John will say, "You have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and the Son." Threefold. So them, but you, brethren. And not in darkness was for. So that this day sh should overtake you as a thief. It is them it will overtake as a thief. Them. They. Say with me, there is a separation. Say it again, there is a separation. Mm -hmm. There is. Oh, I'm excited about today. There is a separation. You are not in darkness so that this day will overtake you as a thief. In other words, the day will only overtake as a thief those who are in darkness. Them. Whoever they is. But I and they. And they and me. That's all that matters to me right now. I'm going, I'm, I'm going trying to get them to hear the gospel and receive Jesus and everything, but I and they. <laughs> and they and me. You are not in darkness that that, take, that day shall overtake you as a thief. Why? Goes on to say in verse 5. You are all. He looked at the Thessalonian church and us by extension and didn't care where they were in their struggles. Didn't care where they were in their evolution, in their Christ walk. He said, you are all 
sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. We are sons of light. Light is, and that is from the word photos. Photos. Yes, it's a Greek word. Originally from the word phos. Which means, of course, light, illumination, or, or luminance. But it actually refers to the result or the manifestation of light. Not light in itself. So when light, when last, when light casts upon something, the image that is formed by the action of light upon an object, that's light in scripture. Does that make sense? So light in this sense, is in the scriptural sense, it's just like the word adoption. It means differently in scripture than it means in English. In natural terms, light will be a luminary. Okay? A luminary body. A body that generates or emits light. Right? But scripture, when talking about light, is more interested in what the light does to its subject. Does that make sense? Light is the impact or the action of a luminary source on something. The manifestation of light or the manifestation of illumination on an object or the manifestation of, in other words, what light can do. Does that make sense? Which is essentially how photography operates. It's a huge flash of light that captures imagery and then processes it. So photography essentially is processed light. Make sense? Yeah. Huge light sent out through a lens. It has an iris, particular aperture. It's light that flashes on something. Captures that in a flash of light and processes what that imagery captured. So the photograph, graph which means to write, graphe. A photograph is the writing or the documentation of what light captured. Does that make sense? That's a photograph. The documentation or the capturing or the printing or the writing of the captured light, the processed light. So light in scripture is photos from force. P-H-O-S. It says you are sons of light. You are photographs. You are the effect. You are the reflection. You are the imagery. You are the manifestation of light. You are what light can do. <laughs> are you getting it? As false. Bear that in mind. We're solving the light equation. Bear that in mind and go to 1 John 1 and 7. And actually start from 5. 1 John 1 and 5. You are sons of... Say with me, I am son of light. Okay. May, may we receive heightened consciousness. 1 John 1 and 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God 
is light. Force. And in him is no darkness at all. At all. God is light. God does not have light. It's not God has light. God is light in the same way as God is love. Or you could say light is God. Are you here? Now let's start to unravel this a little bit. Jesus then comes. God is light. You're sons of light. God is light. We've seen it in scripture. 1 John 1, 5. Jesus comes. The man Jesus. And he comes to reveal all of God to us. Because before Jesus, no one could say that they had seen God. John 6, 46. John 6, 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Mm -hmm. Except he who is from God. It's on the strength of this that we can judge stuff and folks that say they went to a place. Yeah, on the strength of this. No one has seen the Father. Hashtag Jesus says. Except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. John 1.18. Let the scriptures speak for themselves. John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. John says. The only begotten son. Who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Now, I don't want to focus on this, but it's interesting that John is saying the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. John was saying this when Jesus was on the earth. John was just about to introduce Jesus. That was about to show up the very next day. John 1, 29, the next day. <laughs> so, it wasn't that John was prophesying before Jesus was born. There was only a six month difference between them. John was six months older than his cousin Jesus. And he says, the only begotten son, verse 18, who is in, the, not who was, who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. That means this is not literal or geographical, that bosom or that right hand. It's positional. It has to be a statement of position, not necessarily a statement of location. So the right hand of God is not a place. The right hand of God is a given position. So when Jacob will say, thou art the son of my right hand, he means this, thou art my favored son. Are you following me now? The right hand was a typology of the place of favor and authority and advantage. Don't look at right hand in African terms. 
No, I can't, I can't wipe my bum with my right hand. What is wrong with you? Oh, sorry, you're African. And that's you calling unclean what God made clean. That's you magnifying one of your hand above the other. How dare you? Your left hand is only good for some things. Right hand for some other things. So you yourself have said one of your hands is a hand of dishonor. And another one is a hand of honor. Yourself have dissected your own body. I'm not telling you what to wipe with or whether to wipe. That's your absolute business. You know what I mean? You could, you could go organic for all I care. <laughs> the point I'm trying to say to you is <laughs> the right hand of God is not a place. It's a position. It's a posture. It's a persuasion. Are you following me now? That is why John will say the only begotten son who is at the bosom. But the person he's talking about is in the earth. Because the bosom is not necessarily a place. That would be a conundrum. He's here. I mean, this time tomorrow, I'll show him to you. So the right hand or the bosom is a commended position. Not necessarily a physical location. When you, think, when, you, when you read scriptures, and Jesus uses that analogy all the time. The sheep to my right hand, the goats to my left hand. It's not physical. Because to say God has a left hand, to say God has a bad side. That's dangerous theology. But God is light and there is no darkness in him. How come he has a dark side? We must, we must straighten our theology, people. So John 1.18, the only begotten son, who is at the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So Jesus reveals God. That's news that doesn't get old. Yes? God is not revealed except as in Jesus. And that's why it is in Jesus that dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We know that in Colossians 1, 19 and 20. But it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him. I love how Paul writes sometimes. Double emphasis. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. It pleased God that in Jesus all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell. And I've explained this over and over including recently. That God is happy to be magnified as seen in Christ. And that's one major error that some of our folks out there don't understand. That Jesus is worthy of all the worship. Because God highly exalted him. Gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, not God. <laughs> at the name of Jesus... 
The name and oh my, this is not what I'm trying to teach about. But the name is not Jesus. That's not the name at which everybody bows. It's Onoma, Onomatos, the authority, the identity. Just like I've explained light being the effect of light. It's not Jesus at which every name, every name bows. It's the authority, the identity behind who Jesus is. And so, you know, uh, um, drama and, and, and Nollywood movies have deceived you to make you feel like Satan cannot call Jesus. Demons, when they call Jesus, they fall. No, now. No, they, they interviewed seven sons of Sceva. Here is how the interview began. First word, Jesus, we know. They didn't fall. They said, Jesus, we know. They called Jesus nicely and coolly. Nothing happened. Then they said, Paul, we know. Then they say, who are you? That's where the problem was. <laughs> that story never gets old. How one demon-possessed guy could gather seven able-bodied men and beat the foolishness out of them and tear their clothes and none could escape. But he said, Jesus, we know. So they have, they have no problem calling his name. Why would a demon call the name of Jesus and fall when their boss goes to the throne every day? Every day. Part of his job description includes reporting before the throne of grace. Daily. The same throne of grace that somebody says you should avoid because you fail. You cannot come before the presence of God with unholy hands, but the epitome of unholiness and sin enters daily without knocking or washing his hands. As soon as he sees sons of God entering, he comes among them, not behind them. That means there's the likelihood that as they're approaching the throne, Satan is asking the other angels, the other cherubs, how far now? How is it going with the people that you are ministering to? Share your ministers to the heirs of salvation. How is it going to these guys? And then they're like, yeah, where's well, going? Well, they're like, you too, Yusuf. How is it going? It's like, well, I'm doing what I'm doing. Are we not all going to report ourselves to the Father? You know, I'll give my report. You'll hear what I have to say. There's nothing that shows that they're beefy. Instead, it comes among them. So here they are just strolling to the throne. And they'll get there and then they'll ask Gabriel, what's up with him? And ask this, and then ask Satan, what's up with you, Satanos? And he'll explain what's up with him, explain his diabolism, and have tete-a-tete with God. But they have shot you out of the same throne by the wickedness and lies of the same father of lies who is before the same throne he keeps away from you. And they give it a name, Christianity. They give it a name, religion. They give it a name, holiness movement. So it's not Jesus. Ah, they can't call that name. Says who? 
The guy sees, comes up to the son of God and said, if thou art the son of God, worship me. And Jesus didn't slap him. Thunder didn't strike him where he was like you see in the movies and the drama. He kept coming to Jesus regularly. If you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you are the son of God, bow down. Worship. If you are the son of God, throw yourself up, over. And even when Jesus rebuked him by the word, get away from me, Satan. Thou shalt not tempt. He says, Satan left him for a moment. That means there were unrecorded times, as John says in chapter 21, where that idiot came back. He's that consistent. When Jesus was there saying, let this cup pass by me, was it the Holy Spirit that was inspiring him? In that same garden, what did he tell his disciples? Watch and pray, lest you fall into... God does not tempt anyone, nor does he. So, so who is the tempter? Who was in the garden of Gethsemane? Who was in the garden of Gethsemane trying to work Jesus? We'll have to for a moment. He kept showing up. Over and over, if you have the Son of God, bring yourself down from the cross. Who was speaking? Satanos. So that they will abort our delivery. All through. So because he doesn't tell you, oh, the second temptation of Jesus. You don't realize that all through the ministry of Jesus, Satan was present and busy. Doing what Satan's do. So it's not how God in the name of Jesus everywhere scatter and fall down. No, 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 no. It's not true. The decibel of the mention of the name does nothing. <laughs> it's the understanding of the authority. Name Onoma, Onomatos. It's not a pronunciation. It's an identity and the authority that accompanies it. So it's not when you say, my name is, everybody falls. What's that? Makes no difference. Makes no difference. But if you're at the airport and somebody's next to you and you hear somebody say, my name is, um, let's see, who am I going to use? Barack Hussein Obama. You, 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 you would like, you'd be like, oh yeah. That's a name. And he didn't have to say, Barack Hussein Obama. So what moves you is not the pitch of the name or the amount of syllables the name contains. It's how much weight the name displaces even if you whispered it. And that is why most times when you want to call a name that has authority in your life, you say, oh, hold on, hold on, Papa's coming, Papa's coming, Papa's coming. You don't shout. Daddy's coming, daddy's coming, August coming, Madame, they come. You don't shout it. So, how then is he effective? At that level of, sometimes you don't even say it, you're like, You didn't say it. But you responded to it. It's only the name of Jesus that we must shout. 
You don't need to shout your father's name to respect it. You don't need to shout your august name to fear it. You don't need to shout your madam's name. Even your wife's. You don't need to shout it. Only unfortunate name of Jesus. That's why if you don't shout, nothing can happen. But you can arrange yourself at just the appreciation, the acknowledgement of the authority of your boss, the onomatos of your boss. The onomatos of your pastor. The onomatos of your father. But Jesus, what's, what's that? Who is he? It's the name. The name is not the verbal mention. But your acknowledgement of the authority behind the identity of Jesus. That's what God gave him when he exalted him. And God, Philippians 2, God gave him the name. It's not, that's not when he was, hey, help me. It's not when Jesus resurrected, he was named Jesus now. <laughs> Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. So on the eighth day, he was named Jesus. But he was not given the name. Because all through, if, how did Peter look at him and say, Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. It was his name. How did Black Bartimaeus say, Jesus, son of David. It was his name. A blind man knew it. So he was named, but he did not have the name. When he resurrected, he was given the authority to be God. So now at the name, every knee bows. Now you worship Jesus as God. So you came to worship God now. He's looking at you like, what you doing? You want to worship me? Worship the son. Because he pleased me, the father. That in the son, all my fullness should dwell. Looking for my fullness, it find it in the son. I gave it to the son. Are you here? Look at Psalm 8 and 6. I'm, I'm just trying to start. Oh. Psalm 8 and 6. Psalm 8 and 6. We worship Jesus unashamedly, unapologetically. He's worthy of the worship. And he's not, he's not, he's worthy not because we said so. Because, but because the father declared it so. Mm. Give him the name. Psalm 8 and 6. David is prophesying. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Now Hebrews 2 and 8. Hebrews 2 and 8. See now. The writer quoting the same thing. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing 
that is not put under him. I mean, why would you say he puts everything under him and then everything excludes something? Hebrews 1 and 2, same writer. God in sundry times and diverse ways spoke. Time passed to our fathers through the prophets as in these last days spoken to us by the son whom he appointed heir of all things. All things. So God is happy to be known as God in Christ. God is happy to be known as God in Christ. Now we, we, we started from somewhere. I showed you your sons of light. I showed you what light is. Then I showed you God is light. 1 John 5, 1, 5. Hmm? Then I introduced Jesus as the one who reveals God. In other words, if God is light, we must see it in Jesus. And to show you how God reveals, Christ reveals God, I've shown you scriptures that shows that God put all things subject to him. Are you following me now? Step by step. So God is happy to be known as God in Christ. Which is why Christ is the brightness of God. Hebrews 1, 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, which is to say, the express image of his person. So, God is light. God put all things subject to Christ. Christ explains God. Christ is the brightness of God's glory. Christ is light. Hmm? This Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word, was with God. What was God? God, all things were made by him. By him nothing made that was made. And verse 14 of John 1, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The brightness of his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So the glory we are beholding of Christ is the glory as of God. Are we together now? Christ is the word. Hmm? We all know that. It is that word. Who is Christ? That is life. That is light. John 1, 4. Christ is the fullness of God revealed. That means if God is light, then Christ is the brightness of God. That means Christ is light. This Christ is the one that's referred to as the word. The word that became flesh. John 1, 14. That word, now we know that word. Whenever I see word now in John 1, it's referring to Christ. John 1, 14 says the word, which is Christ, became flesh. That word, it is what became the life, which is the light of men. In verse 4. I said you are, you are in class. John 1, 4. In him. Who is him here now? Referred to as the word. Good. You're learning good. In him the word, or in him Christ, was life. And that life was the? This life is the light of men. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. We are sons of light. God is light. Jesus came to reveal God. That means Jesus must reveal God as light. If God is love, then he had to have taken Jesus to reveal God as love. For God so loved his world that he gave his only begotten son. If God is grace, then Jesus had to have come 
to reveal God as grace. Now the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. So anything God is, Christ has to reveal. So whatever Christ does not reveal, God is not. If Christ, if God is merciful, Exodus 34, forgiving transgression, iniquity, and sin, then Jesus came to show forgiveness of sins because he's revealing God. So if we have a statement on one side of this equation that says God is light, then we must see Jesus as that light. Are we together so far? So we're in John 1, 4. And the word in him was life, Zoe. And that life was the light of men. Are you here? And because he's light, and light is Christ, Christ is the word, and he's the repository of all that the Godhead is, we'll explain why he was there in the beginning. John 1, 1. So now we, are, we have backed up from 14, we've come, and then we're now in 1. In the beginning was the Christ. Was the Son. Was the Word. Was the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. Verse 2. He, the Word, the Christ, the light, the brightness, was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him, there was nothing made that was made. And I've taught you in this house that what that means, therefore, is that if the scripture says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, then whatever account of creation or whatever account of the beginning exists, you must see this word there. I mean, scripture can just get up and make such a blanket statement. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. And not be able to show us the working of that scripture. You can't just give us a formula and then like an algebraic formula and not give us the working and prove it. So you have said, it's not you, you said in the beginning, what's the word? You said the word was with God. You said the word was God. You said all things were made by the word. You said be, be, with, apart from him, nothing was made that was made. So when any account of the creation that we look at, we must see the word present. We must see the word present. We must see the word present with God. We must see the word present as God. So against this backdrop, we look at the creation narrative in Genesis 1. Because we now, now in Genesis 1, we have to see the word. Because John said in the beginning, the word was there. And if Genesis 1 is, is the beginning of the account of the beginning... Then the word is hidden there. The word is hidden there with God. The word is hidden there as God. And this word, don't forget, in John 1, 4, is life. And that life was light. And God is light. In him, there is no darkness. And we are sons of light. In the beginning... God. So now we have seen God. 
in the beginning. It's the word we're looking for now. In the beginning, God. So we're not looking for God. Beginning met God in the beginning. Right? So it's the word part of the equation we're looking for. In the beginning, God. Because in the beginning, God created. Created the heavens. It's a consequence of in the beginning, God. Does that make sense? So God began to create the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord hovered over the surface of the waters. Darkness. Darkness is not a thing. So we have seen in the beginning God. But we are told in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. That word was life. My life is the light of men. In, in fact, somewhere in John 8, he boasts and he says, I am the light of the world. And this light was in the beginning. Was with God. Was God. And darkness was upon the face of the deep and Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters, verse 3, and God said, God said, God spoke, God released the word. God Christed. Hold on. In him, the word was life. That life was the lights of men. And God said, what was the thing God said? Let there be light. John 1 says, without him, nothing was made that was made. So, if there is a making at creation, it had to have been by him. And in the beginning, the word was with God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. (laughs) Keep reading on. And God saw the light. And that it was good and God separated the light from the darkness. What happened at creation? What did we see? Darkness. I have brought light. Right here in Genesis 1, let me explain to you guys what this whole story is about. Light. Darkness. Darkness always comes first. And so God said, light come. Light came. God saw it. It said it was good. And then separated it from darkness. And next verse. You see this. Verse 5. God called the light 
day. Wait. First Thessalonians. Go back to First Thessalonians five five. You are all sons of light. And sons of the day. And he called the light day. And called the darkness night. Wait. Wait. So, look at this. So, the evening and the morning were the first day. Please, just keep reading for interest sake. First day, what did God create? Light. Or let's use the word create. And he separated light from darkness called the light day. Called the darkness night there was no luminary on day one. There was no light source. There was no S-U-N. It had to have been S-O-N. So, hold on. How do you get day without sun? How do you get night without moon and how do you call that evening and morning first day because you know when sun and moon and stars came day four go back to verse six go back you see let's read a little bit then God said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide waters from waters. I don't have time to show you division. The principle of division in, in, in Genesis. God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament. From the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Keep going. And God called the firmament heaven. You see, he created heaven. So the evening and morning were the second day. Keep going. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Hence seas and oceans. Gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so. Dry land and rivers. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in the itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning, third day was very busy. Evening and morning, but the third day, then God said, let there be lights. In the firmaments of the heavens to divide, hear why he introduced lights to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs 
and seasons and for days and years. Keep going. And let them be for lights in the firmaments of heaven to give light on the earth. And it was so, 16. Then God made, then God made, then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Keep going. So the evening and the morning weather. Sun, moon, stars, lights. Day four. Light. Day one. Call the first day. Call the light day. And the darkness, night. We're not sons of the night. Or sons of the darkness. We are sons of light and sons of the day. So the separation in Genesis 1, 4, 5 was a type. Darkness, the work of sin and death, alienation from God, absence of God, absence of God's grace. The fallen state of man. Light. Reconciliation. The work of grace. The work of light. Now it will interest you to notice that light happened in Genesis 1 but did not dispel darkness. There was a separation. Not an alarmment. But every time light showed up, darkness is sure to take a beating. Because darkness is just the absence of light. So wherever light shines, darkness doesn't have a choice but to flee. Darkness is not a thing, it's just the absence of light. So darkness was still present, even though light had been created. It had only been separated because salvation had not yet come. So light and darkness will have to coexist until light shines in darkness and darkness. Uh, but until then, light and darkness will have to just stay on their respective lanes. This is a type of what is coming. And until it is coming, we'll just divide you. Yeah, don't fight. <laughs> light stay here and, and darkness stay here. Until... Luke 23, 44. That's first creation. Now look at the new creation. This same word in the creation of Genesis 1. Light. This same guy. Word. It's on the cross. If any man be in Christ... He's a what? <laughs> Genesis 1. First creation. The man in Christ. New creation. Genesis 1. By who? The word. Without him was nothing made that was made. New creation. You have been born of corruptible seed. As by the word. Now the word is on the cross. About to give birth to new creation. 
what precedes it again. Luke 23, 44. Luke 23. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness all over the earth. Until the ninth hour. In fact, the whole period of, the whole gestation period of salvation was called a period of darkness. Luke 22. Luke 22. Jesus himself said it. Luke twenty two forty seven. First creation darkness, new creation darkness, day of the Lord, darkness. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Keep going. I'm going all the way to 54. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. We know who. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to his chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. Now see this, what Jesus says. But this is your hour. So the season of new creation was a season of darkness. And Jesus said it. No power. The third day, the day that it's coming. Creation to the cross, day one. The cross to the glory, day two. The glory for eternity, day three. The day that is coming, that day of salvation, that day of redemption. Read in Revelation what announces it. Darkness. First creation, darkness. New creation, darkness. Complete regeneration. Darkness. Darkness will always precede light. If this shining of the light was on the cross, then it will mean that the full shining of Jesus did not happen until the cross. The shining of Jesus as the light of the world, as the light of God, which we have established so far, would have started when he's there to preach the gospel, but would have ended at his resurrection. Because the darkness lifted after he died. So the shining of Jesus was not in his birth. That means what the shepherds saw in Luke. You know, they saw, they saw light, angels singing, token. Wise men saw a bright star in the east, token. Light for Jesus was disarming the work of darkness. And he did not do that by being born. The birth of Jesus did nothing for darkness. In fact, it inspired a man to kill every young child two years and under. <laughs> That's the height of darkness, don't you think so? <laughs> Just because you are insecure of your place. You heard that this guy could possibly be a king. And not even of Rome, of the Jews. Who were already slaves to you Romans. And you wiped out an entire race of boys. That's the height of darkness. 
So the, the dispelling of darkness was not by the birth of Jesus. It was by the death of Jesus. Matthew 4, 12 to 17. Look, you see it yourself. Matthew 4. Are you here? Are you learning anything? <laughs> Matthew 4, 12 to 17. Now when Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, follow this carefully, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness, just quoting Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. Directly quoting Isaiah chapter 9, 1 and 2. People who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So it began to be fulfilled, what was written. But everything so far was a token. It was in his death that he fully overcame darkness. Colossians 1.13. I'm going somewhere, stay with me. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the power of what? He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out into his marvelous light. And this light, Jesus said he is the light of the world. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness. I'm coming to John 1.5 in a bit. Darkness comprehended of Catalambano. Comprehended not. You, you are familiar with the word lambano. To seize, to lay hold of aggressively and forcefully. Qatar means to come against or to come at something. So darkness comprehended it not. It means darkness came against it to seize it. Yes. And failed. Yes, but Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And my question to you now is as we are solving the equation of light. Question to you now is Is Jesus still the light of the world? John 9 5. John 9 5. Hear Jesus clearly in his own words. And before I answer, I mean, scripture is clear. But look at John 12 35. Or coming back to John, John 9 5. I told you class is in session. John 12, 35 and 36. Jesus is still speaking. Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light 
is with you. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness. This is him preparing them. While you have the light. While you have the light. Believe in the light that you may become sons While I'm here, believe this thing, collect this light that you might become. Because as I'm here, so yes, as long as I'm here, I am the light of the world for as long as I am here. So is he the light of the world? No. Is he the light of the world? Yes. Is he here physically to be? So can he be the light of the world physically? So that means bodily he has stopped being the light of the world. So the business of being light has been given over to sons of light. That's why the world is so messed up because we don't have a people that are light. We just have a bunch of people making noise about Jesus being the light. And Jesus ain't here to be no light to nobody. You are preaching Jesus is light. Jesus is light. What does that mean? Where is he? Let him come and be light and let us see. Just like I tell him to come and pastor a church and let us see. He ain't here. Ain't nobody seeing him. Him and all the light he was. What is the point of bringing many sons into glory if only Jesus is light? Oh, he healed the sick. We healed the sick. He is light. We can't be light. Whose light is he? His father. Whose son am I? His father. Wait, whose light is he shining? Right. Wait, wait, wait. Who's my father? I wish I could preach a message titled Live. Jesus alone. And for God's sake, take your place. Somebody said his work is finished. Every day a Christian wakes up and wants Jesus to walk. He should come and shine light. 
He should come and teach the gospel. He should come and pastor a church. He should come and show love. He should come and show light. He should come and show... Leave him alone! And that's why there's so much darkness. Because we think we are being religious. Talking Jesus. When he left his body and entered yours. If Jesus is light now, it's down to you. Sit down. First Corinthians 15 and 10. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? But by the grace of God, I am what I am, Paul says. And his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now that grace is a person. So Paul is saying, I am working. It's not me working. It's grace working. So Jesus is, we are shining light. It is not us shining. It is the light in us shining. Second Corinthians 5 and 20. Start doing what Jesus left you to do. Second Corinthians 5.20. Look at this. Look at this. Now then we are what? Ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us because we are ambassadors because Christ is pleading to the world through us we represent Christ and tell you be reconciled to God so when we tell you be reconciled to God now it's Christ that's talking to you no it's not blasphemy it's scripture and it's in a straight line we keep that's why he keeps bombarding heaven. Heaven will not rest. Is he still here? No. So he ain't light of the world no more. He said, well, I am with you. So long as I'm with you, I'm the light of the world. He ain't here no more. But he is. And if the light Jesus shone was the light of God, then the light I'm shining is the light of God. The ministry of Jesus was, as the light of men was to shine into darkness. John 12, 46, same John 12. Solving the light equation. Sons of light. Light consciousness. John 12, 46. I, Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world. He didn't even say the light. That whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness takes me now to John 1, 5. And the light shines. <laughs> in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend or overcome it darkness forcefully advanced against light to seize it and pull it down and shut it down that's what it means by cannot overcome or darkness could not comprehend it wasn't darkness could not understand like darkness was trying to figure out oh are you really light are you? no 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 that's, that's not what it was that's not what it was. There was darkness before light. Darkness angels going to sit down there and light, light just come and do what it likes. So when light shined in darkness, darkness fought back. 
and tried to overcome it with a view to subjecting it and tearing it down. Kata, come against. Stand against. Pull down and destroy. Two dangerous words to mix together. Kata and Lambano. Because Lambano means to see something aggressively with a view to make it yours. Colonize it. It's not going anywhere. So when you're Lambano on something, you are taking something with a view to make it yours. It ain't going nowhere. Kata Lambano means you are doing that with a view to destroy the thing you are wanting to take. Does that make sense? Lambano, aggressively, forcefully take it. Make it mine. Kata, aggressively take it, forcefully make it mine in order that I might destroy it. Does that make sense? So Kata is the proposition that qualifies Lambano. Kata Lambano. Darkness came to take it, collect light and swallow it and destroy it. Let it bring no photos. Does that make sense? When you take a photograph, it's blank. If you're old enough to remember the days of negative and washing, and you take your film to the studio and they wash it, phototech or wherever it was them days, and you look at your negative and there's nothing. And that's somebody's wedding reception. <laughs> Has been catalambanoed. That's your graduation party without proof. And all day you are there with your certificate and you're just taking photos and photos and somebody's assuring you that they are capturing moments and then you ask for the photographs and there's 200 files. It's not like you didn't snap. But there's 200 files and then you take all of that and you find that they're all corrupted files because the photography bore no fruit. So, Catalambano is not stopping you from snapping. It's stopping the photography from prospering. Because why are you graduating when we have not even written jump? You're making noise, 25, you're graduating. We're here. You couldn't finish school. And now you now give me the phone to snap you. It's not snapping. I will snap. Since I cannot slap you, I will snap you. But let us see what will become of his dream. Joseph's brothers told him. They didn't kill him. They sabotaged him. Sold him off as a, as a slave. And they were not after his life. They were after his dream. How dare you dream and say, Father, Mother, 11 of us will bow down to you. Let's see, that's what, go and read it. It says, let us see what will become of his dream. And that's what darkness always does or tries to do in light shines. Darkness fights back. So, Catalambano. There's darkness at the sound of light. 
evaporated at the glimpse of light. You are the light that makes my face shine bright. And as I look your face, I become the light. Where's darkness at the sight of light? Evaporated at the glimpse of light. You are the light that makes my face shine bright. And as I look your face, I become the light. Darkness cannot stand it. And so John 1 5, the light comes and shines in darkness. Darkness catalambanos. How does that story end? Me. I am proof that darkness's catalambano failed. That I am son of light is proof that darkness failed. Is anybody gaining consciousness of light? I am the evidence of darkness's failure at the business of Catalambano. What you tried to lay hold of and destroy didn't work. Because now I am in the light. He has, oh, Ephesians 5.8. Yoruba, light has come, darkness has to flee. Now I am the light. La, Ait, La, Ait. I am the La, Ait, La, Ait, La. Declare it. I am the La, I am the light. Ephesians 5 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are. He didn't say you are in the light. He didn't say you were once in darkness and you are now in the light. He said you were darkness but now you are light in. It's one thing to be in the light. It's one thing to be the light. So it's because I am light that I can walk in in the light of God. I am walking in the light of God because I am light. I am walking in the light of God. I am walking in the light of God. Let me see. I am walking, walking, walking. Oh, I am walking in the light of God. Why? Because I Once you were darkness, 
Bros. <laughs> Bros. That's how deep it was. You were darkness. It's because you were darkness that you were in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Why? Second Corinthians 4 6. Because he caused light to what? Shine in our hearts to give the knowledge. Second Corinthians 4 4, 5, and 6. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Five, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And we preach ourselves, your bond servants, for Christ's sake. Six, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Wait, where did this happen? Where did he, what's he referring to? Genesis 1. That John now echoes in John 1. Referring to, John 1 was referring to Genesis 1. Jesus had not died. It's from John's epistles that he starts to write about the resurrected Christ. Not from his gospel. He commanded light to shine in darkness. See the, the parallel he draws. Who has caused, shown in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That was who that light that shone in that darkness in the Genesis 1 first day. Where there was no sun, no moon, no stars. No seasons, no days, no years, no weeks. But there was light that separated the darkness. Out of the darkness. Into a glorious day. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. That's why they didn't say out of the darkness into light. Light, day is light. We are proof that darkness failed to catalambano light. Now, Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, while I'm with you, I'm the light of the world. When I'm gone, Matthew 5.14 While I'm gone, guess who needs to step up and be light? See, you see, I, I, I apologize on behalf of Christianity that they have sold you a God that has security issues. We see the God that we know in the scriptures. He has zero insecurity issues. Which means... Jesus can say, I am the light. And then say, you are the light. And he doesn't feel belittled or spited or inferior. Say, I am light. I am my father's son. And you are, I came to bring other sons into 
glory. So I am light, but I'm gone. I'm only this light while I'm here because I'm the only begotten son. Uh, once other sons enter glory, they become. We are sons of light. That makes us the separation. are now the we different from the them for we are not like them they say we are, we, we are not therefore the day of the Lord cannot overtake us as a thief in the night because we are not of the night we are not of the darkness we are of the light which means we are of the day And because we are that, we can go into the world and be light. So guess what? The world is not looking for the light of Jesus. See, that's the problem. You left all the shining to Jesus. Who is not here to shine for himself? He ain't here to shine for himself. He ain't in your class. He ain't on your street. He ain't in your compound. He ain't in your room. He ain't in your WhatsApp. He ain't here to shine for himself. That's why darkness appears to be catalambanoing. That's why the church is weak. We have abdicated our place for a Jesus that is not here that the world doesn't know what he looks like. They don't know what he looks like. They don't know what he talks like. They don't know what he dresses like. They don't know what he deals with issues like. They don't know how he handles matters like. They don't know how he handles her ache and stuff. And I know you have your Bible and everything, but they don't know him because they don't have his spirit. So why are you trying to sell a Jesus that they don't have the capacity to know when you have the capacity to be the Jesus they see? Light consciousness. You are the light. Now you are proof that darkness didn't overcome. You are now the object of God's photography. He caused light to shine. Are you getting this? Second Corinthians 4 6. He caused light to shine in our hearts to give the knowledge. Commanded light of darkness who has shone in to give the knowledge the glory of God in the face of Jesus it is not the way Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God it's the same way Alexander does not consider it robbery to be equal with Jesus and it's not an honor Alexander took upon himself 
Jesus told us to believe him and become sons of light. Then he turned around and said, you are the light. So, I am the light. See how crucial my life is. I took over exactly where Jesus stopped. The moment this reality dawns upon your head, you will never live a normal compromised life another day of your life. You will never excuse carnality and works of the flesh and underperformance the day you understand. God is counting on you in the exact measure that he counted on Jesus. Exactly where Jesus stopped is where I took over. Me too. I must walk the works of him who sent me while it's day. Because I am son of light like Jesus. Jesus said I am light because he too was son of light. His light was a reflected light. In other words, he has no light of his own. Because he's the brightness of God's glory. They're sons of light. I'm son of light. You can't be normal. You can't, you can't compromise. You can't, you can't let your ego, you can't let your pride, you can't let your troubles, you can't let your trials, you can't let your, your failures, your limitations, you can't let opinions. You can't let schismas and heresies because all darkness wants to do is to catalambano light. And you are here as proof that darkness failed. Because light dispels darkness. So here, check this out. Jesus is or was the light of the world. <laughs> God saved us into him, Jesus Christ. That God was in Christ who consigned the world to himself. So going to verse 19. We as sons are the brethren of Christ. Hmm? Ephesians 2, 10 and 11. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God preordained that we should walk in them. Give me Hebrews 2 and 10. It was fitting for him, Jesus. God rather. For whom are all things to, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through suffering. See verse 11. For both he who sanctifies, that is Christ, and those who are being sanctified, that is us, are of one, are all together. We are, we are one. For which reason, Jesus, who is the one who sanctifies, is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, here's something interesting I want to show you. In the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan, in Matthew 3, 
I said we're brethren with Jesus. And it's not robbery. To consider ourselves equal with Jesus. I know some religious minds are going, ah, come on, that's, that's too much. That's why it's good news. Yeah. What's the first thing you say when they give, when they give you news? I can't believe this. <laughs> is that not so? Yeah. Ah, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. I mean, there's nothing I have to do. My sins are forgiven. Wow! I can't believe this. Oh my God. After you finish crying, you can't believe it. Believe it. It will not change in value because it sounds unbelievable. Come back tomorrow. It's still there. In the same measure, in the same value. And don't tell me to reduce the value of salvation just because it has to be something you can believe. No, that's unbelievable. That's ridiculous. That's evangelion. And you ain't going nowhere just because it sounds ridiculous. going nowhere you're the one that will grow out of your stupefied state and say wait to this is what I have wait I am light me in this world I am light your entire life changes you know I say, oh, Pav, but no now. Jesus is there, we are here. Hey, when, when heaven opened in the baptism, what was Jesus identified as? No, they said there's an adjective before son. Beloved son. Beloved son. He was the only one then. There was a public secret society called the beloved it had one member only Jesus God spoke and said this is my beloved son look at Ephesians 1 6 and see where the state of that club is now Ephesians 1 6 look at this to the praise of the glory of his grace by which by which he has made us accepted in that beloved that same closed group that same exclusive gang of beloved sons of God that had only Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Founding member. Yeah, we agree. Nobody can drag that with you. Nobody. But as far as the beloved club is consigned, <laughs> as far as he's consigned, though, I, I don't know about you, but I have been accepted. In the beloved. 
That explains 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called. Us and Jesus are in the same club. Our membership level is exactly the same. Exactly the same. The only difference between him and us is we have not yet, our return on investment has not ripe. Jonathan, Jesus entered first, so he has decided cashing out. Do you understand? He entered first, so he has entered immortality first. So he's perpetually cashing out. That's the only difference with our membership level and membership class is the same. And the fullness of time will also start to cash out. God is our father. We are now in the light. We are, see, see, I am now in the light. Because I am the light. Mm-hmm. Acts 26, 18. Acts 26, 18. You see what, what Paul says there. He says that we're called to open their eyes. This is what God was what God called Saul. To open their eyes to in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Saturn to God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me so we are in the light we are the light Paul says I love it you were once darkness you are now light in the Lord What does that make us? Lights. James 1. You're sons of light, eh? 1 John 1, 5. God is light. Jesus is light of the world because it's the brightness of God's glory. He's the light that shined in darkness. He was there in the beginning in darkness and darkness comprehended not. Brought us into the beloved. We are now sons of light. And then Paul says, we are light. And Jesus is light because he's the light of God, his father. We are in the beloved now, which means God is our father. Us and Jesus have the same father. God is light. Are you sure? James 1.17. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from... And for years, people always ask, what does the Father of Lights mean? What lights is he talking about? We are sons of light. Our Father, therefore, just like we are kings, and he is there. God always, have you, have you noticed that God always qualifies himself by what he did for you? Always. Always. That's his boast and the power of the gospel. Always by what he did for you. 
always by who he is to you. His boast cannot be that he is the father of the sun and the moon. And the stars. What nonsense is that? What does that mean? What weight does that carry? Is his father of the sun and the moon and the stars. Things that human being control sometimes. Joshua caused the moon to stand, the sun to stand still. Because the, school, the sun stood still in the mind, the valley of Adam, the moon stood still where it was. And gave us the leap year. Yeah, Joshua did that. Joshua extended seasons by one extra day. Hence, he gave us the leap year every four years. When they were fighting against Ai and they were, the sun was going down. And he commanded the sun to stand still here and the moon stood still where it was when it was scheduled to come here. So extended seasons by one extra day every four years. If human beings have certain levels of control or powers they can tap into, that cannot be the boast of God. The fire of lights. It is these lights. Because you are God's workmanship. You are when God wants to show what he can do. When God wants to show what he can produce. When God wants to boast about how good his work is. He presents you. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. So every good gift. Every perfect gift. Comes from above. From our father. Every good gift. <laughs> Let me not go there. Every perfect gift. A story for another day. Comes from above. The father of lights. Remember we're considering an equation. In whom there is no... So a variable either doesn't exist or has not been solved. But this light equation is constant. Because in him, with him, this light, this father of lights has no variable. God is light. Christ is the light of God, is the brightness of God. You are sons of God. He is in the world, He is light. He is not in the world. You are light. You are the light of the world. You are sons of light. He is Father of lights. It is all constant. Different statements, same value. Same value. Padome kushada para. So now our boast is that we are the lights that he's the father of. What does that mean? It means from today, Ma, we are going to give darkness a hard time. Hey. Hey. We are going to be darkness' worst nightmare. I am that light. I, I am all along. I have been the light. 
I was once darkness, now I am light. Oh no, you shouldn't have shown me that, sir. <laughs> but now that you have shown me that, watch out darkness, watch out darkness, watch out darkness, watch out darkness. Light is coming for you from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. Darkness is the new endangered species. So we have solved the equation. God is light. Jesus is always the light of God. God saved us in Christ. We are brethren of Christ. He was the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. God is our father. Now we are in the light. We are light. He shone the light in our hearts. What does that make us? Light. Makes God our father. He's the father of lights. Revelation 22.5 Lion, no, they born goat. Revelation 22 5. See how we shall end up in the third day. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For, look at this, for the Lord gives them light. Give me King James. Need no candle, neither light. Of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. That's his boast. Light. We, we gotta start shining, baby. Jesus has shined his sign. The owners. For light is on you. The honors for light is on you. To shine. shown his. He shown his. And that's what will take us to First John. First John one seven. Remember I showed you 1 John 1, 5? See now, now, now that we have established the light equation. Now, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, what does that mean? We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 2, 9 to 11. You see that light Every time God was talking about light, it is equal to fellowship. Every time God talked about shining light, it was to bring about fellowship. Give me New King James. He who says he's in the light. Are you in the light? Are you in the light? Are you the light? And hates his brother. Wait, you agreed you are in the light. You agreed you are light. Father of light, man. Sons of light. Every time there was light in question, in view, fellowship was the goal. 
Light brings about reconciliation. Light brings about fellowship. Light brings about union. Light brings about family consciousness. So he who says he is in the light. <laughs> not he who is in the light. He who says. In other words, here is how we understand your noise. And hates his brother. It's in darkness all till now. Verse 10. He who loves his brother. Abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You start to see that every time John talked about sin in 1 John. It was in the context of fellowship one with another. It was never to do with any other carnality. All of First John. He keeps circling back and showing you, are you in light? Light is love. Love is God. God is light. Light is Jesus. This is what Jesus did as light. Are you in light? This is what you're supposed to do that Jesus did. If you're not doing what Jesus did, you are sinning. If you are sinning, you must confess your faults to one another and be healed because there is no fear in love. Love all through First John. All through. First John is not talking about multiple things. It's not. First John is a letter to churches in the exact way Path teaches. I will start something. I will say God is love. Then I will stop this matter. And I explain what I mean by God is love. Once you have understood what I meant by God is love, I will now come back and explain to you that what I meant by God is love in the context of this is that I will continue the story again and then I will get to this and I will pause. Okay, no, no, but love is that God gave his son. So you too must. And when I explain that, I come back again. So John keeps going out, qualifying what he's saying and bringing it back. Qualifying what he's saying and bringing it back. His message in all of 1 John is one. And it is not even eternal life. He references that I write to you that you may know you have eternal life. But that's not the thrust of his writing. When he says that, that you may know, that you may be re- coming to remembrance of, that you may get the, uh, the, the ginosko, be reminded that you have eternal life. And that means that you are in the light. And what that calls you into is this. Such that if you do not do what is expected of you of light, that to you is sin. Thank God that when you sin, that sin is an advocate. And it's the propitiation not, not just for our sin, of what we're dealing with, but ah, the whole world. And then after he has dealt with that whole thing about Jesus being able to be propitiation for sin, he comes back again and picks. His subject matter and continues to go at it because you must hear what? Let me give you. So we are in 1 John 1, right? 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. That's the message. Okay, you know what? Let's start from verse 1. 1 John 1 and 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, 
and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, that life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare, declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Now he has not said what the message is. He's just saying what we're about to declare to you is about the word of life. And these things we write to you. That's your journey before. Now five. Now this is the message. This message about that word of life that we have seen. and This is the message which we heard from him. And now we now declare to you that. And. That's the message. Keep going. Verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him. Fellowship. The message we brought to you is so that, whatever that message is, is so that you have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Now, that message is God is light and there's no darkness. If we now say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Seven. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Because the message we brought to you is light. And light fosters fellowship. If we see, we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. One another. One another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin. Now I've mentioned the sin. It's matter. Now let's deal with this. Let's come away now. Let's deal with it. Because I just introduced a new concept. Sin. That's why I said John wrote like Pav teaches. So now, okay, now, sin. I know some of you will be saying, eh, ah, but me, I don't have any sin now. I don't fornicate. I don't smoke. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I don't kill. How, ah, John, how can you be saying, no, 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 I have no sin. Okay, since I can preempt those of you, I can see your faces. If you say you have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us because this sin of falling out of fellowship with one another. All of, all of you have it. Because if you look at sin generally, the guys will tell you, no, I'm good. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I, I give. You can, but you say, I, I can't hear you. I can't hear you say you have no sin. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses our sin. That's what he's saying. Thank God. Stay there and say you don't have any sin. You deceive yourself. The truth is not in us. This sin is present. Continue. If we confess our sins now, this sin of falling out of fellowship with our brother and walking in darkness, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Contextual. If we say now, I'm writing to you and telling you that you have sin, and you're telling me you have no sin, you're making me a liar. And his word is not in us. It's not John telling you that, hey, by force you are fornicating. How can you say? If you say that you are not, what you are doing is not sin. And making God a liar. That's not what John is saying. What John is saying is, if you have, if you are saying that there is none of you that are falling out of fellowship with each other, in spite of what I'm writing to you, you are saying does not apply to you. You are saying that God is stupid, and His word is not in us. Keep going, my little children. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. 
Notice that the chapter has changed, but the tone hasn't. So that's the thing about chapters and verses truncating thoughts. I write to you so that you may not seem contextual. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. Jesus, Jesus is, is forgiveness, his penalty for our sins. Now, by this we know him if we keep his commandments. Another concept enters, commandment. Let me, now, let me now unpack that for you. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. You think, no, but we're not under the law. Why is John talking commandment? Calm down. I, I, is John now advocating the law? Cannot be. When he says I know him and, and don't keep his commandments, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. If one has in the light, doesn't have fellowship. Truth is not in him. You, you say, oh no, I'm, I'm in fellowship with everybody. I'm okay. You are lying. Truth is not in you. <laughs> Thank God that when you lie this lie or this sin, Thank God for the blood of Jesus that washes you. Thank God for the advocate. And then this advocate says, Ah, it's not just your advocate alone. No. Advocate for the whole world. Uh-huh. Okay, so now, what was I saying? So now, we know that if you don't keep his commandment, then you, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. Ah, hey, commandment again. So he now goes to the next verse. Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Keep going. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you. But an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And the beginning will not be the beginning of the beginning. Will be the beginning of the word of life. Which we tasted and handled and gave to you from the beginning. Because John was not there in the beginning of beginnings. He was only there at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And make him teach this thing. So from the beginning. Because you know in John chapter 1 he says that which we handle from the beginning. The beginning has to be contextual. It cannot be the beginning of creation because John was not there. So it have to be the beginning of their walk with Jesus. Now, that word which you heard from the beginning, keep going. Again, a new commandment I write to you. I'm not giving you a new commandment. It's an old commandment, but I write to you a new commandment. Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Say with me, the darkness is passing away. Say with conviction, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Hallelujah. Next verse. Next verse. Follow this carefully. Verse 9. See, Bible study is good. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. Signs and wonders. He carried the word. Carried the word. Carried the word. Leave signs and wonders. This sign shall follow them that believe. Yeah. The word generates power for signs and wonders. Signs and wonders can never teach you the word. 
display of raw power can never teach you sound doctrine. But understanding the word, understanding your place gives you the ability to release power with authority. Mess with Bible study. Don't mess with Bible study. Now, he who says he's in the light, what was the message in 1 John 1 5? This is the message God is light. <laughs> in him, there's no darkness. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, ah, he's in darkness until now. Verse 10. He who loves his brother, you know, notice he has left commandment. Or, or, or so you think. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Remember, it's one letter. But he who hates his brother is in darkness. You hate your brother. Oh, this father of light, son of light. Sir, you are in darkness. And that's a sin. Thank God for Jesus. Even for Jesus. So hating your brother, you have died already. Sin. The sin. That believers sin. <laughs> Not the sin of the world. That the Lamb of God has taken away. And he remembers no more. That's why I told you a few months ago. Be careful what you define as sin. I wasn't crazy. So when it eventually gets to the sin that leads to death. you To be referring to. We fell out of fellowship with somebody and as a result of or in the midst of the person died. Let's stay. Why first John 2? He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. He's still saying the same thing. Point 13. I write to you wrong men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Just saying you have overcome the wicked one. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You see that will of God, that message. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Let's define those antichrists. They went out from us. They broke fellowship. Not they had horns. Not 666. Not Mark of the Beast. Many antichrists have come. This is how we know them. They went out from us. It's not me. It's scripture. It doesn't say they went out of us with good reason or bad reason or justifiable reason. You break fellowship. You are antichrist. Because you have spoiled the body. You have spoiled the body. I've introduced pain into the body. And that is an anti-Christ movement. It's an anti-Christ effort. 
Many antichrists have gone out of us. They broke fellowship. This is what they did. They went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, no matter what happened, this is the clear, I'm reading it to you, it's a clear cut scripture. Feel how you like, say what you like. Be, be, I told you, be afraid of somebody who can receive the word of God in black and white and still pitch themselves against it. What other proof of antichrist activity do you need? The word of God is so clear. They would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be known. Or made manifest that none of them that went out were of us. Next verse. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. Now, yeah, I've said you know all things. <laughs> I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies Jesus is the Christ? And you think, uh-uh, so all it, all it, all it takes to, to be in the truth is to say Jesus is Christ. Come on, Jesus is Christ. But that's not what he's saying here contextually. It's not saying, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? In terms of fellowship and abiding in the word, keeping the commandments and walking in the light as God is the light. He's Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Go back to 1 John 1, 3. We're in 1 John 2, 22. Go back to 1, 3. Father and Son. 1 John 1, 3. Which we've seen and heard declare to you that you may also have with us and truly our fellowship is with the So denying Father and the Son is in the context of what? Not in the context of doctrine. It's not denying whether God is real or denying whether Jesus is real. That's not what John is talking about. Are you following this now? 1 John 2.22, that's where we are. So contextually, Father and Son, fellowship. 1 John 2.22. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He's Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. It's not as simple as, oh, I believe the Father, I believe the Son, I cannot be Antichrist. Which is what the deception is that is working in church. You can, this person now, this person is bread, and they believe the Holy Ghost. They spread brain tongues. They believe Jesus died for their sins. They believe that it's by, it's by faith and through grace, through faith and not of works. I mean, they cannot not be a believer. They have not blasphemed the name of Jesus. So you cannot say that they are not a believer. But we're talking about this denying in the context of fellowship with the Father and Son. Is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Keep going. It's one message all through. Who, whoever denies the son does not have the father either because you want to form that yeah, don't, don't worry about what Jesus did don't worry about me trying to be like Christ I love God don't worry about me trying to be Christ conscious I love God, God loves me whoever denies the son does not have the father either he who acknowledges the son has the father also it has to be a fellowship of the two it's not either or 
Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning <laughs> abides in you, you will also be able, you also, you also will abide in the Son and in and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So it's not, the, it's not the major reason for his writing. This is the promise he has promised us who believe the Father and the Son. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone should teach you. Referring to false prophets. Not that you say, oh, nobody can teach me I have the anointing. That's not what John was saying. People have come to teach you nonsense. Schismas, heresies. You don't need any of those people teaching you. You have the anointing. That's what this is saying. It cannot, it cannot be saying you don't need any pastor to teach you. Because that will be a problem. Because John himself is teaching. <laughs> John himself is teaching. So he's referring to those false prophets. Absalom's and Ahithophel's. Now that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and that anointing is true. That anointing is not a lie. And over and over I've been showing you so far in two chapters what the lie is. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children abide in him that when he appears... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. For you know that he is righteous and you know, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love. Born of him. Another concept. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us. Because he did not know him. Now are we children of God. It had not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And anyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin, we're back here now. Commits lawlessness and sin it's lawlessness. <laughs> and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins now. And in him there is no sin. Mm -hmm. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Very soon you will see clearly what this sin is. He started it. He left it. Explained other concepts. Came back to it. Chapter 1 into chapter 2. For this purpose the son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God. Does not sin. For his seed remains you and he cannot sin because he has been born of God in this 
The children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. This is how you stay. Go back to verse 9. Go back. Go back. Give me an LT or any modern translation in, in verse 10. So now, we can tell who separation. We can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. This is not by doctrine. It's by practice. Anyone who does not live righteous, which is to say who does not love others, other believers, does not belong God. Sir, you cannot love God and hate me. Pray in tongues all you want. Quote all you like. Be a believer all you want. Be self-righteous and puffed up all you like. This is how we tell the separation. You're walking in hate. You are not a believer. Scripture said so. You can hold someone, lock them in a, in a, in a recess of your heart. And you can do that to a believer and not carrying the injury it causes to the body of Christ. You are not a believer. You do not belong. Now go back to the previous slide. Look at this carefully. Children of God, children of the devil, anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers. It doesn't say and does not love believers. That means the implication here is the person that does not belong to God is a purported believer. Or, let's say, it's a believer. Because it has to be a believer we're talking about for us to say other believers. And such a believer, Jesus died, I believe. My sins are forgiven, I believe. It's not of works, it's of grace through faith, I believe. Eternal life is not earned, it is a gift of God, I believe. I'm going to be transformed, I believe. Does not belong to God. My sins are eternally forgiven. I believe. Does not belong to God. I'm eternally saved. Nothing can take away my salvation. I believe. Does not belong to God. You can't believe the cross and despise the fruit of the cross. Yes, what the cross did. The fruit of the cross. You can't. Light, 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 light. This is it. Next verse. You can dream. <laughs> For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. That we should repent of our sins. Believe the gospel and believe that Jesus died. That's what the cross did. That's what, what the cross did did. For this is the message you heard from the beginning that you, we should love not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he mother him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Hey, go back. 14. NLT. <laughs> we're not, we're not, are you ready to be a believer? Anyone! Go back to 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. 
But a person who has no love for brother and sister is still there. TPT. We are still playing church. We are still playing church. Yeah. New Testament church. You see why we keep pointing to Jesus to show them light? We don't want to take the responsibility. Yet we can be assured that we have been translated from spiritual death into spiritual life because we love God. A loveless life. Message 14. The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. He says the world hates you because they don't know you. So if you are a church and the world loves you, you are an embassy of the world. NLT, back to 15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really... You see the scene we're talking about? Ain't got nothing to do with God. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Keep going. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. (laughs) I'm in the light. I'm light. I believe. Christ is my firm foundation. Gone, gone. My sin is dead and gone. I call my name and I run out of that grave. I believe you pick praying tongues. Preach Bob's message. You see why I always tell you that I'm afraid of people that can hate believers. People that can hear God's word and disrespect it. And then justify it. That's where our relationship ends. Next verse. We know what real love is. In this is love, New King James says. Go back to New King James. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also, not for him, but the brethren, keep going. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How? Dear believer. You notice that most of our believing is in the good things. The sweet things. Salvation package. But when the rubber hits the road. And the chips are down and push. Comes to shore. Where's your light? your light. This is light. That I can look at you and not look at you according to what you did wrong because I can see no wrong. Because he who has made us acceptable in the the beloved took our wrongs. He, He became our wrongs. 
How can you tell Jesus? He didn't know what they were doing. Say, forgive them. They know not. Eh? We gave you Barabbas. Gave you Jesus and said, choose. You chose Barabbas with your eyes wide open. Does that sound like a people that did not know what they were doing? But Jesus chose to see them how they would become. Not according to how they were. So he said, they don't know what they are doing. I refuse to see them as people that are deliberately killing me. I refuse to see them as people that are choosing to hurt me. They don't know what they are doing. When that other son of light by the name of Stephen was in the same positions and being stoned, he said the same thing. He heard his elder brother say, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That's when hope starts to arise. The height of self-centeredness and conceitedness is scary. Nobody wants to be light. You think being light is being a casualty. Yeah, yeah. You think being meek is being weak. So everyone wants to hold up and exert themselves. And points to Jesus. Jesus is pointing to you. You're pointing to Paul. Paul is pointing to you because Paul said, I've run the race. (laughs) So yeah, it's over to you. If the scriptures will come alive from these pages, they will come alive in your life. How does the love of God abide in him? Next verse. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth, NLT. Go back to 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. I'll show the truth by our actions, TPT. Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. Go back to Nick and James in 19. And by this we know that we are of the truth, by this. Loving ourselves, indeed. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, remember that scripture? God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. See how he circled back to commandments? Now we are back to commandments. And do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Next verse. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, which is to say, to love one another as he commanded us. That's all I've been trying to say to you in the whole rigmarole of explaining doctrine. NLT. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, or no matter of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us now he who keeps his commandments i've just told you what the commandment is abides in him so we're not talking about the law and he in him and by this we know that he abides in us 
by the spirit whom he has given us. Keep going. You see, one argument, beloved. Do not believe every spirit because I just told you now that part of this abiding business is about the spirit that he has given us. Now, about the spirit thing I introduced. Don't just believe every spirit. Shh. That means, don't believe everybody that comes and tells you the spirit of God is in me. He's not telling you, don't believe every familiar spirit. Every demon spirit. We're talking about in the church. Go back to the previous verse. Now, he who keeps his commandment abides in him and he abides in that person. And by this, or this is how we would know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. And for God sent forth, because you are sons, Galatians 4, 6, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying. I'm a father. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, Romans 8, 9, he is not of his. So this is how we know that you have, you abide in him if his spirit is in you. Right? Previous verse. And he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has. Does that make sense? Next verse. Beloved. Talking about the spirit. Do not just believe every spirit. But test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Keep going. By this, you know the spirit of God. This is how you know the spirit of God. NLT. That's two. This is how we will know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. You see the implication of believing that Jesus came in a real body. Keep going. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that there's something that's what Jesus did. That's what, what Jesus did, did. Okay. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. Which you heard is coming into the world and currently is already here. Next verse. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you, he does in you, is greater than he that is in the world. Next verse. Those people belong to this world. So they speak from this world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God and those who know God. Listen to us. Hallelujah. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. <laughs> this is how we know if someone that has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. That's how we know. If they have God, they listen to us. Oh, we belong to God and those who know God listen to us. Next verse. Verse, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. That's what he's talking about. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Keep going. But anyone who does not love, does not know God, or God is love. King James says, he, he that loveth not, knoweth not God. I love it. For God is love. KJV. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Some verses are built for King James. For God is love. Next verse, New, New King James. Verse 9. He who does not love 
In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God. That's not love. Stop it. I love you, Lord. Stop it. Oh, how I love you. Stop it. That's not love. He sent his son, loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. They're like, are you saying we should not love God? Stay with me. Are we not reading the Bible together? Publicly, no? Good. Next verse. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love God. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. If we love one another, God abides in us. You are seeing things in today's society that the New Testament church did not need. They had all things in common. Which other cult did they need? Which other club did they need? Which other cooperative did they need? When the entire church had all things in common. Every social club, every clicking, it's a desire, heart of man to fill a void that was designed to be filled only by the church. Only by the church. Every group, every club, every clique. Not all things in common. But abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Next verse. By this we know that we abide in him and him in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. We have seen. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God. God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. That love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. How is he? Love. Contextually. So if he was love, and this is love, then so are we. 18. There's no fear in love. How can we love and be afraid? You love someone and then you hear them and then you jump or you cringe or you're afraid. That's not love. Your eyes light up. There's boldness. That's what he just said. You look at the object of your love and your, your entire being responds with exuberance. And liberty. Not fear and dread. Not condemnation and guilt or feeling of being insecure or unaccepted. There's no fear in love. Oh, I love you, but I'm afraid you don't love me. I'm afraid to approach you. You don't love me. I'm not, I'm not even going to make it easier for you. You don't love me. Songs of Solomon says in chapter 8, love is as strong as death. Its waters are strong as the grave. Many waters cannot quench love. 
Man, I don't know how to approach you. I love, you don't love me. Because love is approach. Let us now come boldly. Love is approach. <laughs> love is all the approach you need. Come in love and be looking for how to approach. Love is the approach. There's no fear in love. So where there's fear in love, run away from it. It's not love. You have to watch your back. You have to cover yourself. You have to be sure. No, that's not love. That's not love. Love is naked and unashamed. Yes. You know the thing about church is you can rate somebody until you know them. Your rating of somebody is nonsense until you know them. You come into church, oh wow, uh, she's so sweet. Susan is so lovely. She's so beautiful. You want to walk out to the road together. You have your first clash. Say, ah, that's Susan. She's not a good person. Can you imagine what she did to me? You now close service. You now wait for Susan to go first. You now take peace. And you take peace only for one purpose. To explain to peace your beef with Susan. Number one, the most stupid person is peace. Do you understand? Number one, because you have allowed yourself to be the dumping ground for somebody's garbage. And then you, too, you never rated Susan. Never. Never. So, you know, everybody looks cute from outside. Everyone looks good in church. Nicely dressed and all. Until they happen to you. When you can honor them in spite of them happening to you, that's when you are a believer. Until then, shut up, keep walking and keep growing in the word. Let the word wash you. anybody's cute until they happen to you. And see, because we're in this body of flesh, ah, who happen to each other over and over and over and over again, no matter how gentle you think you are, sometimes your own issue is that you are so gentle, you are sloppy and slow. And that is an annoying problem. So don't think because you are quiet, you don't sometimes now you they vex us pass. So no, I don't talk. I don't, that's the problem. I'm never under pressure. That's the problem. We have a timeline. We have a deadline. We must do this thing. Necessity is laid upon us. You are sleeping. Awake, oh sleeper, Ephesians. Rise from the dead. Let Christ shine on you. Who was he talking to? Church. Dead people in church. Sleepers. So now, nah, I don't hurt anybody. I don't talk. No. Sometimes we need you to. Hey, what does Paul say? Spudazo. Fervent in spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Fervent in spirit. Boiling over. Spudazo. Sharp, sharp. It's a fruit of the spirit. Yes. The fruit of the spirit. So no, I'm alright. I'm cool. I I don't I don't mess with nobody. I don't affect anybody. 
I'm not going to fall out with you. The whole church has fallen out with you. <laughs> you will learn to receive the grace that is your brother in spite of the fact that he vexed you yesterday. As you get cancer, you will. Cancer cells will form when you see the person you don't like praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit is bringing interpretation. <laughs> and the whole church can confirm that this interpretation is by the Spirit. And you, the beef is killing you, get cancer. <laughs> because you see, the funny thing is, the Spirit of God doesn't fall out with your brother because you fell out with them. <laughs> That's the selfishness that is disturbing us. You think God should leave your brother because you left? God should break up with your ex. Because, uh, because your ex broke up with you. So you see, your, you see the person moving in the spirit. You are angry. Hey, anger rests in the bosom. Scripture says. But you see, church, all we will do is happen to each other. As we are all growing. Until. Until. But the spirit doesn't abdicate because we did. Maybe instructed. That's light. That's believing in the son. And the father. Let's finish this. 19. There's no fear in love. Fear casts off. Love casts off fear for where fear is. There's torment. We love him. Because he first loved us. And then you're going, go back to 19 now. So follow John. We love him because he first loved us. Hey, hey! Pav. Is that not so? We love him because he first loved us. Oh, I'm ready for you. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a... Because <laughs> somebody was just about to break into their victory dance. <laughs> we love God. We have catch him. We have catch him. We have catch him. If anybody says he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God I love God, I love God, I love God, I love, I love God, oh, I love God. <laughs> you can't love God without loving me. Deal with it. Or beat it. That's what it is. Back up. How can you say you love God? You can't see. You can't love your brother whom you see. 20. I, I'm interested in 20 still. In maybe like the TPT or the NLT. If someone says I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? TPT. 
Anyone can say I love God yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. <laughs> because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can't see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? Basic logic. Message. If anyone boasts I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can't see, how can he love the God he can't see? So now John is closing in on what the message of fellowship is from, from chapter 1. Now he's closing in. It's getting more crucial. New King James 21. He's closing in on what the sin is. That nobody should say they are without. And this commandment back to that theme again. We have from him that he who loves God must must love his brother also. You love God, you must love me. It's not pick and choose. I come, you see, when you collected God, received God, I came along. It's a package. Jumbo package. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. As you receive God, I was inside that package. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in this our kingdom, we don't receive God alone. You receive God plus his whole family. You marry all the in-laws. You become all one. Yeah. Don't do it from a distance. We are not online in-laws. You received the Lord Jesus. You did? You did? Oh, you did? Ah, see what you received. Behold the Lord Jesus. You believe that I receive? I am what you receive, baby. Mm -hmm. Take a minute and let it just serenade you for a little bit. I don't like you, but I received you. And so we got to make this work. You don't like me, it don't matter. We gotta make this work. Gotta make this work. You can't say you love God and you can't love me. Then I come to you and I preach to you and I can't love you. I love God. I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm gonna have to burn with passion for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's in order. You will burn with passion for me. You think of a million ways to please me just as I think of a million ways to please you and in the midst of all of that, God is pleased with us in Christ. Mm -hmm. In all of that, God is pleased with us in Christ. He sees me falling over myself to honor you. He sees you falling over yourself to serve me and honor me. And it's like, yeah, that's what Jesus died for. all the praying in tongues and banging and casting fasting and praying Man, there's nothing wrong with that but that's nothing outside loving your brother 
Let's finish this. Put it back up where we are. First John 4. Commandment. Someone say commandment. And yeah, not suggestion. He who loves God must love his brother also. Next verse. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also, loves him. Who is begotten of him. NLT in verse 1. Let's unpack that. So you can see. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father has to love his children too. You can't love the one that begot and not love the offspring of the one that begot. You love him as father, but you can't love who he produced as children. You acknowledge God as father. Acknowledge Jesus as son. Acknowledge yourself as a son that Jesus brought in, but cannot deal with Jesus' other brethren. Does that make sense? You can't deal with your father's other children. They're not stepchildren. Adelphos. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. See how he links all of them together. By this we know God we keep by keeping his commandment, by having the spirit, by abiding him, by believing the Father and the Son. Now by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Because if, okay, you want to love God, keep his commandments. His commandment is love me. Next verse. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And because this is not law of Moses, his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's how it gets there. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And then he goes on. And let's keep reading. Just, I mean, we might as well just finish this chapter. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Woo-hoo. John, John, John. And these three are one. Oh, for seven. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And these three are one. And then there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. I am not going to go into that. Yeah. But these are the elements of your salvation. You were washed with the blood. You are filled with the spirit as a seal for your salvation that is to come and you are being sanctified by the word. The word, which is the water. Yeah, the word of God. Yeah. And this three agree as one. But not today. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. Testimony God has given. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Then he brings us to 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There's sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. You know, sometimes when we pray about it, I hear people pray about over people that died and my heart just breaks. When we start to address issues in the prayer over the dead person. Father, forgive him or her. Grant them rest. You know, some people grant, pray for God to grant them passage. And, you know, I understand that they make us feel better. And if that's all we're praying them for, then I guess that's okay. Uh, but not praying them with the actual conviction <laughs> that a state can be altered. This is the kind of urgency that will make Jesus say that if you had an oath against your brother and you came to the temple, leave your offering. It's not something you put off. So a sin leading to death will be a sin... In, 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 Two dimensions. Sometimes theologians refer to it as though it were the sin of apostasy. You know, like um, apostasy is basically to be an apostate means to believe to have believed something. Because apostasy starts from believing and then abdicating. Does that make sense? You believed something and then you just and turned around and and so some people believe that sin leading to death in the context of 1 John will refer to apostasy. But from what we have read, apostasy is not a major thing in John's letter. In fact, apostasy is contextual to false Christs in John in chapter 2. Did you see that? Many false Christs or many anti-Christs have gone into the world. But it, it explains what they were doing. It was in the context of breaking fellowship. Right? First John is not very loud as it were on doctrine. On the contrary, it hammers on doctrine. The central themes of the gospel. The father. The son. Believing the father. Believing the father sent the son. Believing what the son came to do. Believing what, what the son came to do brought us into. Which is what I am talking about. That's the layout of John's epistle. So apostasy is not even so much a big theme in John like it is in probably like Jude or Hebrews or Galatians. Because in Jude he starts and saying, contend earnestly for the faith. Once delivered to the saints. In Hebrews it says, well, difficult if those ones who have tasted of the heavenly gift and partaken of that if they should fall away. There's, there's, there's parts of scripture where apostasy is loud. In Galatians, Paul starts by spitting fire. Anyone comes, even if it's an angel 
or us and brings to you something else that can be accursed. Wow. Then he says, I, I even withstood Peter to his face. Chapter 2. Rebuked him because he was caught up in carnality. Hey. So there's, there's books that have strong apologetics. And it has to do with defending doctrine. First John is not one of those. Except where, unfortunately, people have tried to read it, Try to read into the book what the book is actually not saying. But when you read the book as we have read it like this, you see how plain it is. Is it plain enough? Yes, Just read the whole thing as a book, not as one verse, one verse, one verse, one verse, one verse. As a book, apostasy is not a loud theme enough for us to now get to, to chapter 5 and then say, sin leading to death is referring to um, believing and abdicating. There's no suggestion of that in the entire book so far. We have, what we have seen is a constant equating of your faith or your believing with how you fellowship with the saints. How you obey the commandment and how that commandment is love your brother. How you keep fellowship and how that fellowship shows if you are truly a believer. And so false Christ or antichrist will be those who are trying to champion the cause that you can love God and hate your brother. Are you following me now? Contextually, antichrist will be Absalom's. Leveraging issues to cause division. That's why as soon as he mentioned this antichrist, he said they left us. That it might be made known, they were not of us. Mentions them in 17 and 18, by 19 he says they left us. So Antichrist is not referring to people who are teaching a false doctrine in the context of 1 John. Antichrist will be those people who specifically were sowing discord that was breaking fellowship. Because no such discord is justified. Scripture is very loud on that. There's no time scripture tells you you can break fellowship. There's no time scripture tells you you can respond according to how you're feeling. That's why we don't want to practice the scripture. We just want to like the good parts of the gospel. Yeah, when it comes to actual fellowship, actual practice, actual application, that's when you see people manifest their real colors. Don't push me. Don't hold me responsible. Don't hold me accountable. I don't want to be accountable. I don't want to be submitted. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to follow peace. I'm a man of a preacher of war. I'm not a preacher of love. Because we don't want to do what the word says. And we are, we are doing that while quoting the word as is suitable to what floats our boat. When we call a word like this, you're like, nah. They're not talking about me, they're talking about them. Until someone dies on your watch. But if he hasn't led to death. And pray. Confess your faults to one another. Release life into that person while they are still alive. Contextually. That's doing justice to this text. 
contextual. You can't read apostasy or read somebody dying. There's no, so far we have read five chapters. We have not seen where it pitches a believer against God. We have read sin in chapter two. We have not seen it being referred to sin against God. Did we see that together? No, I haven't. The entirety of the book is fellowship. You and I, as a reflection of the conviction of our faith. And that sin is so grievous that it can cause bodily harm. Just like we saw in 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, some of you are sick and some of you sleep or some of you die. Do you remember church consciousness? Because in not discerning the Lord's body, there can be hurt, there can be pain, there can be death. There can be death. You can cause somebody to go and kill themselves. So you must be careful how you talk to people. Especially people that live alone. Because you know, it's only a very unruly mouth that will just talk to someone and not care. Do you know there's nothing more deadly than words? So you can't just spew words at someone and then you go home and think because you slept okay, they slept okay. Sometimes that person is totally shattered by what you said. So you need to watch out and be responsible for your brother and ensure that you're not responsible for someone's death. Figuratively, metaphorically, and literally. Because when that's done, you're praying for what exactly? Person to come back to life. You can't, I'm not saying you should pray about that. That's misplaced prayer. It has led to death. That wrong has led to death. All unrighteousness is sin, 17, and there's sin not leading to death. Earlier on, he mentioned righteousness in the context of loving your brother. So again, righteousness here is contextual. Living right is contextual. One central theme, one central message. God is light. You are called into light. That light is fellowship with the Father and the Son, which is expressed in fellowship with one another. Anything outside of that is unrighteousness. That unrighteousness is seen. That sin makes you a liar. Means the truth is not in you, which means you're not of God, which means God does not abide in you, which means you don't have his spirit, which means you don't believe God because you can't believe God and not believe the Son. And if you believe God and not believe the Son, then you don't have him. He doesn't abide in you and you're a liar. You get the cycle? That's what First John is about. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. That pray about and it will give life. Now, again, if this were general sin, John cannot be saying pray to give life. Because it's not prayer that gives life. It's Jesus that gave life on the cross. Now, if there's a problem, if whenever we sin, we pray, and then Jesus will give life. That will suggest that each time you sin, you lose life. And that's a theme that the scriptures don't teach. So, on account of everything else that is clear, we can see that it cannot be referring here to general sin in the sense that you sin, pray to God to give you life. Where did the life go? When he came to give you life and he gave you life in abundance. Life you can't finish spending. Where did life go? If where sin abounds, runs 5.20, grace abounds much more. So you see, contextually, theologically, all those arguments don't fit into this. Except we try to force them in. 
That's ACGCs. Is that clear? We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. The wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the son of God has come. And has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Then he ends the letter in a very puzzling way. Little children. <laughs> Keep yourselves from idols. Amen. You see this 21 of First John 5. Hey, if you know how much palaver it has cost in Bible school, argument in class. <laughs> Theologians over centuries have tried to deconstruct the puzzle of what it means. Scripture rightly divided leaves no confusion. The, 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 the confusion over the years with these scriptures is that we have had so much damage done to us by book, chapter, and verse. And we have totally ignored context. That's the problem. You're already, you're already going into the scriptures with a particular construct. There's a particular paradigm. There's a particular mindset. There's a particular mentality. There's a particular bias. And once you go into the scriptures with a mindset, you would never see their mindset of scripture. So you go into scriptures for a mindset. You don't go into the scriptures with a mindset. So that would mean in straightforward humanistics, Bible interpretation, whatever idols mean cannot be something outside what has been explored from chapter 1 to chapter 5. Before we even figure out what it is. We know that John will be very, very confusionist. To just say all kinds of things. And just before he finishes letter, he's wondering, what am I going to add? What can I? Let me just mess them up. She really should not want to hear what. Let me give them assignments. Let them wander and travel. Nonsense. After all, they are little children. <laughs> no. God, I promise you, would not have allowed it. That's where his pen would have finished. 
in the sovereignty of God to ensure that what comes through is what he intends for all peoples to learn of him for all ages. But you see, our problem is we are too intellectual to study the letter by the spirit. We keep away spirit. And we take on intellect. And become academic with scripture. And just like happiness is waters too shallow. Same thing intellect and academia become very shallow waters when we're exploring what only the spirit can give life to. It's beautiful and ironic how intellect becomes folly when it comes to the scriptures. <laughs> and take that from academic intellectual. It's ironic. The paradox is mind-blowing. That you're smart and intelligent and you think you know it until you're confronted with scripture. And scripture has a way of humbling you and cutting you to size. <laughs> just will cut you. I just put you in a corner. You and all you think you knew. And I've learned that over the years. So when I see us arguing and fighting intellectually and theologically and empirically about scripture and going back and forth about textual analysis, you know, and all of that ontological context. Yeah. It's not that deep. The people to whom these books were written did not know what Bible school was. And they understood. They didn't have theologians, Origen, and, and, and Aristotle, and Aristanas, and all the early church fathers to teach. And they, if I'm most of them, were not even learned men in the first place. Somebody would just come and say, oh, a letter came from John. And they would read the letter like I've just read it to you. And break it down according to what we have heard the apostles teach. Apostles' doctrine. That was church. And everybody gathered. Would have understanding of what John wrote. But in our day, no, we have to go to Bible school, we have to have a PhD in divinity and in theology and pastoral studies and pastoral leadership and apply the rules of the hermeneutics and biblical interpretation and textual analysis and etymology of language and evolution of context and culture. Bawo. Because it's when we miss the road that we start trying to figure out what idols. Paul would tell them in 2 Corinthians 10 casting down imaginations other translations say arguments while you think he's casting down demons how can you see how can, how can imagination is become a spirit in what year did imagination become a spirit Cast down every imagination in the heavenly places. The holy places where these imaginations are in your mind. Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought. 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 TPT. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. 
that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that every thought bow in obedience to the anointed one. Simple. Anything in opposition is a thought. Antichrist is the theme briefly explored in John's letter. In the context of this guy's breaking fellowship. Antichrist. Anti in the Greek that became Latin is the word for instead of. It doesn't always mean against. Anti means a substitute for. So an antichrist is not necessarily against Christ. They will sound like him, talk like him, quote the same scriptures, agree on the same basic things except the things that do not favor them. For which they will present an alternative. Absalom. So they present a substitute. Sometimes it might be subtle. Such that you are subscribing to Jesus or so you think. But you've propped up an idol. Anti-Christ. So any thought process in this letter that has gotten you to the point where you think that it's okay to walk in fellowship with the Father and the Son and to break fellowship with the other. Anything that has made you think... You, you, you can even have fellowship with the Father and not worry about the Son. Or you can have about the Son and not worry about the Father. You can have about with both of them and not worry about the brethren. You notice there's no no single time where he mentioned you can have fellowship with the brethren and not have with God. He mentions having fellowship with the Father and not with the Son and confusing yourself, deceiving yourself. He mentions having with the Father and the Son and not having fellowship with us. He mentions how can you say you love God and you can't love me. He never mentions how can you have fellowship with me and not have with God. Because in this body, fellowship with me is fellowship with God. He doesn't draw that line. Then he says all of this. And then he says to you, keep yourself from idols. Idols will therefore expressly have to mean any substitute to what I have taught you about this message. Which is that God is light him there's no darkness if you walk in light you can't hate your brother that's you breaking the commandment and we can't argue and say that does not happen in church because you cannot say you have no sin if we say you have no sin the truth is not in us but thank god that even when we sin we have an advocate now he gave us this commandment love one another abide in one another what is the commandment it's a new one it's not a new one love one another it's easy this commandment is not burdensome in keeping the commandment, you show you love God. In loving God, you keep the commandment. In fact, in loving me, you show that you love God. And finishes all of that and says, keep yourself from idols. We can't leave First John to find the idols. 
<laughs> are you here? Those idols are in First John. I mean, where will he? Where will he bring them from? Why do you have to go to find them? If he said, keep yourself from idols, those idols are in his book. Oh, he didn't call them by name idols. But once you understand an idol is anything that props up itself to take a place that belongs to God. And then you see him say anti-Christ or instead of Christ. And we know that Christ is God because the fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And anything that you do that is anti-Christ or if you lend your ears to anti-Christ, it means you have begun to serve an idol while thinking you are serving God. Because you know the first time the concept of idols was introduced. They actually came and told Moses. Well you took long staying on the mountain. And we didn't want to be without a God. So we got our stuff and told Aaron to make a golden calf for us. So we can use that golden calf as a contact point for God. They were not necessarily trying to replace God. They just wanted a substitute connection to him because their connection, their other idol, stayed too long on the mountain. So because he tarried too long on the mountain, 40 days, they said, you know what, Aaron, no, 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 we, we don't have the connection to God, right? And Moses is gone too long. And Moses is our interface. With who? God. God, oh, Yahweh. Elion, not another God. Yes. Are you here? Yes, so now that Moses is not coming down. Create for us another interface with God. Enter idol. So an idol is anything a person props up instead. But you know, you know believers, we think that there's no idol until there's something carved sitting somewhere no the dangerous idols are the idols within the idols that have elevated themselves such that they are the loudest thing on your mind the voices you have elevated that can obliterate the voice of God and the voice of your pastor that's an idol that person whose ear you are giving whose voice you are giving ear to because you know, it, you know what it takes to fall away? Is to have a voice louder than the voice that feeds you God's word. That's what it takes. That's, that's, how, that's how you know Absalom has won in some people. Someone just doesn't get up and break fellowship. At a point, they yielded themselves to a louder voice. The voice became an idol and made them feel like that voice is more important in their life than fellowship, than spiritual authority, than accountability. Did you hear what I just said? So essentially, that voice becomes an idol because it has replaced true order. It has replaced light. It has replaced God. But it doesn't seem like it because this idol speaks the language of God. The idol will hold your hand and pray. And strengthen you and tell you, there's grace. 
while encouraging your rebellion and dissension. A minister, he will collect grace and seize it from the whole church and give it to only you. It's an idol. Tell you, don't worry about them. One with God is majority. You know those cliches, right? And we're asking to give and then something wells up in your heart that forms a resistance and you can't explain why there's always a resistance in your heart when we mention giving in the church. That has become an idol. If it's breaking fellowship, if it's changing your focus, if it's affecting the shining of light, it's an idol. Because the message, as we close, is 1 John 1, 5. This is the message. We received and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. This is the message which you have heard from him and declared to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So once darkness shows up, what is that darkness? An idol. Antichrist. Keep yourselves from idols. We cannot import the idol concept from another book. But we can trace this concept of idols in other books. Like I just showed you in 2 Corinthians 10. So that's light. All I preached to you essentially was church consciousness. Grace consciousness. Word consciousness. Love consciousness. Discipleship consciousness. Christ conscious believer. Same message. All of 1 John was about one particular scene. What was it? Between... Did you see anything about offense to God in 1 John? Did we read every single verse of 1 John? Did we? Did you see any reference to offending God in 1 John? Sinning against God in 1 John? So sin, contextually in all of 1 John, was how you treat me. How I treat you. And how that equates to us being sons of light. Fathered by the father of light. So just as you got excited an hour ago to go and happen to the world and show darkness was up. Well. Well. What you got to say now? You still that excited? You still interested in being light? And let's see where darkness can hide. At least not in this Goshen. At least not in this Goshen. Not in this Goshen. We might not be able to speak for all of Egypt, but not in this Goshen. 
Can't be darkness. No, we will pepper it. Darkness. Ah, nah, 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 nah. Darkness is now afraid. We will, we will mess it up. We will continue to teach and practice and teach and practice and teach and practice until the separation is as clear as crystal. There has to be a people practicing this word. There has to be a people that will not be offended in each other. There has to be a people that are comfortable, naked and vulnerable with each other. There has to be a church arising that will be light enough for the world to see. There has to be a church that is not pointing to Jesus to do the work of lighting the earth. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel. You are a city. You. Set upon a hill. So a few verses later he tells them, now this is how your light should shine. That's what let your light so otus. Otus. This is how your light should shine. Men should see your good works. What would your good works be in that fellowship? Fellowship. That fellowship one with another, that's good works. Because Paul tells them, staring one another up to good works. That's what it is. Let me see your good works and glorify your father. Let your light shine. We're not talking about good behavior at work. Because you see, for centuries, we have taught lights like that. We have taught light like, oh, shiny, your, be nice at home. Be nice at work. Let your light shine in the marketplace. That one day. But that's not what we're talking about. All through the New Testament, it makes clear what light is. It is from the outflow of our fellowship that the world receives the photograph of our manifestation. You can't be nothing out there in the world if we are not light together as Ecclesia. Are you selling to the world? <laughs> what are you saying to the world? You're cute at where everybody knows you in your street. Oh, it's so lovely. Oh, I, I'm very sure she's this nice because she's a child of God. Have you seen pagans that are nice? Have you seen pagans whose niceness will put you to shame? So your niceness will bring them to Jesus. You are deceiving yourself. Niceness. Niceness has never saved anybody. Never. Jesus, with all he did, not everybody was saved. <laughs> Healed their sick, fed them. Who was? Jesus was Mr. Nice Guy. He crucified him. It's no substitute for preaching and teaching the gospel. Your life is not a substitute for the gospel. You must teach it, ma. You must preach it, sir. Yeah, can't nice it. <laughs> How will they hear? Except it's a messenger is sent. The gospel is for declaring, not for acting. Yes. 
out there. Yeah, you declare it. The acting, the practice of the gospel is for my benefit. Yes. Yes. That's why we preach it. They get saved. Come in here to enjoy the benefit. Are you following me now? Where's the benefit of the gospel enjoyed? Where's it dispensed? Where's the inheritance saved? Here. Among heirs. Sons in light. Colossians 1.12. So yes, preach the gospel. Be nice and be and every, that's nice, but fellowship in church is paramount. Yes, sir. I have to be able to see how palpable love is. Literally, love is in the air. Literally. Unity is in the air. You come in and there's a constant unification of the body. Yes, sir. You're still babies. If you got upset, you argued over the transport, the money, fitting and tear, no tear. When I gave it to you, it was like this, it was not like that. And you bring that into Christ's experience and you mess up the service. Your babies, you're a liar now. I didn't say so. Scripture did. So you can easily mess up fellowship anytime you like, and then pick up the fellowship when you are satisfied. Anti Christ says the scriptures. You break as you like. That's why I don't chase certain people. So why don't you come? I've not, you've not been in church. You say, oh, I was going through stuff. I needed a break. You are not of us. You are not of us. You don't submit to authority. Because now you shall be past. You have propped up an idol in your mind. In that case, you are your own idol. You are so hot, you are worshipping yourself. Yeah, you are so... You are so so nicely elevated. You know what I mean? Like who is Coco to teach you? What you already know. What's another time, another place, if not for. I'll be teaching Coco. I'll become an idol. Antichrist. Because you have foreclosed the ability of somebody else to be ever able to show you light. You must see the person's certificate and he had four PhDs in divinity. That, that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Even Pav is struggling to teach you how much less. You're so all that. Yeah, so all that. That's what light is. Keep yourself idols. Can't mess with fellowship. You like it. I was, I was, I was going through a tough time. I was battling with my mind. You have, you, you have turned church to Rotary Club. Your membership can be running, but you can stop whenever you like, and whenever you're okay, you reactivate it. You know. So you are, you are blessing us with your presence. You know, special guest of honor. Because it's those people that get offended when we don't follow them up. Don't come. Are you okay? We just you sure you're alright? We just we're just checking on you to be sure you are okay. You are alive, you're good, yeah. That's fine. Have a great time. We don't run after you. Because if you understand fellowship, you will never break it. Scripture says, seeing as you know the day is approaching, 
don't forsake the gathering of the saints. He didn't just wake up and say, do not forsake the gathering. He didn't say that. He said, seeing as you see that the time is approaching. Hebrews 10, 25. Don't miss certain things. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day. It's not mentioned in a vacuum. We are assembling and edifying ourselves in view of the day of the Lord that is approaching. The expediency of the day approaching necessitates our gathering together in fellowship as the church. You don't despise it. You don't. That day approaching necessitates our daily meeting until the day. I cannot afford to not see you every day, my love, in view of the day. As fellowship. Sunday to Sunday. How do you do it? You only show up on Sunday. Then we don't see you to the next Sunday. And wait until you see the mountain of the Lord being exalted. Over that mountains are many running to it. I have one hour. Let me go and hear the gospel. Let me run to class. I'll be back quickly. Cover for me at work. Seeing as you see the day approaching. It's not time to break fellowship. Nah, no, dis- no discerning person is messing with fellowship. It cannot be said to be light and no fellowship. Light is in fellowship. And this is where we shine light. Because darkness is coming. The great darkness. Before the greater light. (laughs) So this is how we shine light. We walk in the light. Let's end with that. It's 5.8. Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8. You see what it says there. As we close. For once you were in darkness. But now you are light. Oh, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Walk as children of light. Keep going. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Walk as children of light. You are light now. Walk as. Light shines in darkness. Light shines in darkness. Light shines in Darkness. That's where light shines. Where it's bright, light is not appreciated. So you turn off your outside security bulb in the daytime. <laughs> because everywhere is bright. But that same bulb that's in the daytime, nobody respects. <laughs> Moments everywhere successfully dark. From the beginning of the junction. That's the bulb that is your lighthouse. Light shines in darkness and darkness does not comprehend it. Let there be a light revolution. Now that you know you are light. There be a light revolution. Who's with me on that? There be a light revolution. Let the church come to a place of heightened light consciousness. Heightened light consciousness. Heightened place of dispensing so much light that darkness is the endangered species. 
darkness comes around and knows that no matter how I try this house has too much light cannot be extinguished John 13 and 35 look at that see what Jesus says it says by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another isn't it interesting that he doesn't say if you pray in tongues and this is what Paul who was a good student of Jesus explained in 1 Corinthians 13 he says though I have the tongue of men and angels but if I have not love may loud soundings and basically I'm just noise and he's, he goes on to say where there are tongues they will cease where there are prophecies they will cease why would Jesus not say if they cast out devils you will know that the world will know you are my disciples he said there's one thing that will instruct the world that you are my disciples your love for one another if that's not instructive to the church nothing I've said will be that's how much it matters to Jesus and to the father that's what proves that we are following not our tongues, not our I believe. Not that. Not our raw power or cooked. Boiled or roasted. But that we love one another. And if the world is already doing it on their terms better than we are doing it and we're the ones trying to play catch up, then there's a huge dysfunction. I wonder how the church is comfortable. Because it disturbs me. It should disturb any rational thinking person. That love is an endangered species in church. And the world seems to have it on lockdown. Whatever their understanding of love is. Warped of course. But the point is they're sticking up for each other. They're sticking up for each other. We're shooting our wounded soldiers. to rip each other apart and yeah darkness should never try to try our light anymore you should know that we are we are a bright house <laughs> we are a bright house we're gloriously shining house because he has caused his light to shine in our hearts. Come on, give him praise in here. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.